Hey, you're listening to the Self-Love Diaries. Let's get after some love. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to this. I am so excited you are here. If you're a first-time listener, my name is Sue, and I struggle with self-love, and this is me documenting my self-love journey. I also sometimes sit down with friends um, and people that have expertise in certain areas, or I feel they have expertise and wisdom um, regarding self-love. So today's episode is a heavy one. It's about death, grief, guilt, and how all those things can affect your self-love journey and how you view yourself. And I uh, had the honor and pleasure of virtually sitting down with my good friend Faith McGangus um, on TikTok and on Instagram. She is at gotta have faith mc she is the ceo of kindness just because she really started growing on tiktok because of the kindness she was showing random humans on our on our planet and it's awesome and it's so great and she has so much wisdom and so much insight into herself and and the people around her and um she's been through it she's been through it so this was a lengthy introduction but i i feel like it's necessary because i just listened to the episode and realized i didn't do a great introduction so thank you so much for listening and i hope you enjoy the conversation with me and faith Hello, and welcome back to the Self-Love Diaries. Um, Before we even get into this, I feel like it's... Before even introducing my amazing guest, I feel like we should put all the trigger warnings up because this is a heavy topic today. Um, We are talking about um, death and grief and guilt and um, death very close, very close people to us. So um, parental death and infant loss. So... Let's just preface that, and now I'm going to introduce my wonderful guest, Faith. How are you? I'm, hello, Sue. <laughs> I'm, I am living the dream. Yeah. That's what, that is always... That's your answer. We'll get into that later, but that's, my, that's always my answer. That's your answer, yeah. At this point, yeah. Um, for those of you who have no idea who I'm talking to, which my audience is growing... There's people listening. Um, Faith is TikTok famous. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's nodding her head. No, Faith. Faith is nodding her head. Yeah, well, okay, you're famous to me. Um, how many followers do you have? 70,000. 70, 70,000. Yeah. 77 right. and like, I don't know, something or another there. And in in that growth journey on TikTok, what 
Can you talk about KJB real quick and what that is? Because I want the people kindness to know. Kindness just... Kindness just because. KJB. Yeah. Somehow I got um, dubbed that in the Attain Gang family, in the, in the Joe Attain yeah. morning live family. And um, I think it was Yvette, Destined to Shine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think that was, I think that was how that started. But kind of yeah. just because. It's just being nice, being kind. Yeah. Because it's the right thing to do. And it took, because and it did. It's the right thing to do. You did take off. You were um, doing really cool videos on TikTok where you were helping strangers, whether it was with time or monetary help and it was really cool and um your whole vibe is just kindness and spreading positivity and um that's not even why we bonded because I thought Faith was a whole different person when we <laughs> we first met and I was like wait that's you and that's a really she long story yeah I thought she was a weirdo <laughs> and I am a weirdo but she thought I was right. a different kind of Right. Sorry to whoever that is. Um, That's okay. We don't even know. We don't even know. And soon realized that we um, were totally meant to be friends um, on a deeper level because of the experiences that we've experienced and um, because we're funny. And that's really what friendship's about. So. It is, isn't it? Laughter. (laughs) Laughter and just poking fun at people. So, um, thank you so much for being here. Um, You're a hard lady to nail down, but you've got three beautiful children and you're doing things in the world. And um, I'm just very glad you're here. Um, We've known this topic for a while. Uh, We might cry. We don't know. I don't feel very cryy today, but then when I talk to you, Either, but when I talk to you, that's always what I say. I don't feel crying is when I get crying. I know. Either. So we will see. Yeah. Um, Self Love Diaries has been a really cool journey for me because with responses from other people saying how much they've enjoyed some of these episodes, um, it only motivates me to keep doing them, which then in turn has helped me to grow. So tonight's episode is one that, although excited to talk to you, am dreading in the actual journey aspect of this because healing is hard (laughs) and talking about sad stuff is not generally my MO, Um, but I know that that's like a huge barrier on this path because... I need to heal at least to some extent. Will we ever be fully healed? No, probably not. Will the pain ever go away? I don't know. So, so I'm glad we get stronger. Yeah, exactly. So I need to, let's do it head on and talk about it. So first of all, self-love, um, whether it's your teenage years or when you were a kid or young adulthood, when did you realize that either self-love was hard or you had some struggles with it? Or have you always had a solid approach to self-love? No, 
I did not have a solid approach to self-love. I would argue until my late 30s. Mm-hmm. I'm 38. I would say I was right after I turned 35, maybe even 36, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Before I really had enough of a handle on who I was. Yeah. Especially after trauma yeah. that hit and, and grief, which hit me at 27. Mm-hmm. So by the time I really had an understanding of who I was, then I began to want to love me. Yeah. And as a child, I was, um, I was the runt. Yeah. I was the baby of my family. I was the runt of a huge group of, of cousins. I grew up in a small town. I had over 20 first cousins and we were, or there were 20 of us. I don't know. Anyway, there was a lot of us. And I mean, I didn't make my first friend that I wasn't related to until I was in the third grade. Um, shout out to Tiffany. Wow. That's, (laughs) Um, that's intense. Yeah. You know, so, and I was tiny, I was a little bit, I was the runt and, um, I had a lot of insecurities Mm -hmm. and so I was a people pleaser. Right. Um, which is okay if you're doing it for the right reasons, but if that is, if, if, if you're, um, objective in doing something. Yeah. For someone is to please them, right? Then you're doing it for the wrong reason, and it may not even be because that person is asking you to do it. It may just be because that that is what you were doing because somehow that's where your worth has come into play. You know. Yeah. And so for me, my worth was very misconstrued um, as a child, and um, I didn't realize it. And it wasn't because of. Yeah, I don't think it was, it wasn't anyone's fault. You know, it just, it is, it was. Yeah, I do think that I think, I think anybody and everybody can struggle with self-love and self-worth and you can have an amazing upbringing and amazing parents and blah, blah, blah. But depending on circumstances and depending on your own personality, um, it just happens that way. Um, Physical insecurities is an episode that is coming up soon, and it's such a broad but very specific topic in terms of self-love, because almost everyone, at least everyone I know, struggles with something physically. Um, And it's interesting being a bigger kid always, right? thinking that somebody who was small, somebody who I thought I wanted to look like had the exact same insecurities. Just like opposite, the result right? was the same. Right. It just came from different angles. Right. Nonetheless, we, you know, you, you filter your worth through something yeah. that it is not. Yeah. And you end up with, do you know, I am. Like the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Right. <laughs> I'm hopeful about the youth right now and then also a little scared because the social media aspect and comparison aspect, but I am hopeful that with the body positivity movement, there's way more um, 
normalizing different bodies. So that's exciting for like, especially young women. Um, There's a mental health movement too, though. Yeah. So it's a whole new ball game. It's good. For, you know, I, I mean, I was 38 when I realized I was ADHD. Right. You know, kids aren't going to be, the stigmas are, are, yeah. are coming off. Yeah, and, that's great. Um, the awareness, you know, you're less and less you're able to get away with. Yeah, Things absolutely. Things that were the norm are not the norm anymore. So right. that gives me hope in itself. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I got faith. Gotta have faith. Got, you see what I did there? Gotta have faith. MC. <laughs> MC. Um, okay, so there's no really great way to plummet into the into the stories, but I feel like that's the move. So again, trigger warning, we are talking about loss. Um, very, very personal loss to both of us. Um, and then unpacking that in terms of um, guilt and the grieving process and how that has prevented both of us from fully loving ourselves. So uh, with that being said, if you're still here, maybe grab some tissues, maybe not. Can't We can't plan for these things. Um, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Um, I can go. Yeah. So memory whether pieced together by me or whether or not I remember as it happened was my dad having a massive heart attack yeah he was 37 he died they shot him back but my whole life I mean he had lots of heart attacks there was lots of I, I basically grew up being afraid that my dad was gonna die yeah um saw a lot of death because I was had a big family mm-hmm. my mom was me 2.0 yeah so there were a lot of you know the more connected you are to people you know statistically you're yeah. you're gonna the more you love you have the more loss you were eventually gonna feel right. you know right so you know or somebody feels it over you and that's just the, that's just the way that it goes hence well while we're talking about what we're talking about so at death i was no stranger to death but as far as my parents went i always believed it would be my dad and so i basically grew up um, being very afraid that my dad was going to die right. only to very suddenly and tragically lose my mom instead. Um, I was 37 weeks pregnant with my first child. Um, and that was in 2009, at the end of 2009, November 2nd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my mom was on the way to my house to come and see us. And I had a doctor's appointment the next morning. She was going to take me to the doctor. She had even basically organized a trip to go around her elbow to get to her behind to come and visit me on the way to do something for my dad, quote, unquote. Mm. Because because that's just, you know, because that's who she was. Right. And um, she got killed on the way in a car accident. Just never made it. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, not that there's a good way to, find out about death um but it wasn't one of those that we didn't we found out because we tracked her down um you know my whole family ends up at a hospital in the middle of all of us in Florence South Carolina and I lived in Columbia my family was in 
southeastern North Carolina and you know mom literally died an hour and a half in between all of her family all of her kids mm-hmm. and the next thing I know I'm in a you know emergency room 37 weeks pregnant on the floor screaming I can't do this yeah and sincerely believed it um believed it with everything in me yeah. I couldn't you know the physical manifestation of intense grief a parent a child a sibling of you know those levels of trauma and just grief it's it is physically tangible Mm -hmm. um it's not in your head it is in your body yeah (laughs) and um and I was pregnant yeah and you know my mom was dead Mm -hmm. and I was for 22 days I carried Finley um her due date was Thanksgiving yeah and I had her, or no, her due date was the day before Thanksgiving, eight, no, on Thanksgiving, and I had her the day before Thanksgiving, carry her to term, and, um, and instead of having a joyful, you know, you think about having your first kid, and you think you're going to have this magical experience, and for me, it was incredibly painful. Yeah. Yep, there it goes. I don't think there's any more. So, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a storybook, you know, it was a tragedy, but it was also a blessing and, um, and it broke me for a long time. And for years I didn't even realize, you know, there were so many levels of the, of the grief. I think that people try to put it in a box you know yeah and they you know they tell people you should feel this and you should do that and why don't you do this and you know mourning and grief is is mourning the relationship that you had with that individual no matter you know no one else gets to to dictate that yeah and, and for me, it was very long. The actual recovery part of it, I think. And by that, I mean the point where it happens and where you make the decision that you are going to live. Right. Which is, or for me, was very tangible. Right. Um, but it took a long time yeah. to get there. Yeah an extremely long time yeah and that makes me nervous but then also I don't know I don't know okay so it's interesting I've heard your story before and um there's certain details that I didn't I knew we were connected through our loss and we've talked about it and we've had some crazy crazy um moments that have given me so much comfort in sharing our experiences, but I didn't realize how close we were in age when we experienced loss. So I was 24 and you were 27. So like, that's interesting. So that's like similar phases of life. And then, um, both have to do with pregnancy. Um, so for listeners, um, who don't know me, don't know the story. I, I don't like talking about it 
generally I can. Um, I won't go into full detail just because that's something that um, I can't, I can't hear people's opinions about my situation. Similarly, like when people try to tell you how to feel like grieving, it's like, I can't. So my situation, um, I had met what I thought, who I thought was the love of my life. So that's great or whatever. And um, we got pregnant after only dating for three months. Um, there was a lot of negativity involved. My parents didn't like him. He was kind of, I don't, I don't even know how to put it. He wasn't very social either. So he didn't really give my parents a reason to not like, I mean, to, to like him. Um, but I was in love and I thought we were going to make it happen and it was going to be great. And, um, we had not announced it to anybody, had some weird family stuff where I didn't tell certain family members soon enough and they took it personally, even though it was my business and I was going to, but I was waiting until I was far enough along. Um, so a lot of like non-traditional getting pregnant story behind that like my pregnancy was a you know almost hush hush um my choice um and then when I wanted to announce we were going to do our gender reveal and announcement um together um we went for the anatomy scan and um the lady was like are you sure this was your date like are you positive on that and um, I said, I think so, yeah, and okay, cool, let me check. Then by the end of that, they were like, well, let, let's get you to a specialist. And um, that was a little nerve-wracking, but I thought, you know, stuff happens in pregnancies, you know. You, you go to stuff all the time. Um, it'll, it'll be okay. Um, you know, revealed the gender and that was super exciting. But the next day I ended up going to um, the specialty hospital with my mom because he couldn't come and um, everything was wrong. Absolutely everything. Um, my baby had a hole in his body, a spot on his brain, um, 25 days too small, uh, protruding tailbone. His genitalia wasn't fully formed. He um, um, had a little, a couple chromosomes of Down syndrome, which I'll get to that in a second. Um, but basically everything was wrong. And um, it was, I forget her exact words, but basically it was, um, it wasn't going to be good. There was no, even if he went full term, it wasn't going to be good and he might only make it a day he might make it two weeks but that's basically it and um when um I was there with my mom and I started crying obviously and I'm freaking out um because before she told me everything what was the word she used she used a word um basically saying like it's the worst case scenario. And I said, well, what's the worst case scenario? Because in my head, a baby with disabilities 
down syndrome, anything like that, that's not, to me, that's okay. I, I would, you know, um, my cousin has special needs, grew up my whole life. Even if she didn't, I think my personality would have been like, that's not the worst case scenario, right? Um, and she was like, no, it's the worst case scenario. And so um, I lost, his name was Hudson James, at 26 and a half weeks pregnant. Never, never got to announce. Um, there's probably still people to this day who have no idea. Um, there were some people that did know, but weren't close enough with me on that level to where months after I had lost him asked, oh, how's the baby? <laughs> um, it was a very, very strange, hard situation where it was not, we didn't have a ceremony or a funeral or anything. And it was, it was strange. It was very strange. Um, so that's, that's my story. And we can get into the grief and guilt and stuff like that. But hold on. Okay, so that's my story. Um, it's hard hearing our stories back to back because I, it's not even that I wanted, I, I say I want to be a mother and you want your mother, but it's like, we just want them. And um, that's something that's hard. Um, I think I am in a place in my life where I wanna fill a void or fill the void um, and settle down and have a family and just feel better. And I don't like when people tell me that that's unhealthy because it's like, okay, but do you, it doesn't even matter to me if they don't get it. You know what I mean? Like no one else can understand my grief, but me. And I'm obviously going to do unhealthy things. I'm going to try to not to, <laughs> but, and I know like you, you described like you weren't good for a while. Did you feel unapologetic about it? <laughs> Cause that's kind of how I feel sometimes. I'm like, Okay, that's your opinion. There was a point where I was unapologetic about it. Almost, um, there was a point where I, I picked fights. Yeah. You know, but but here's the thing. I actually um, made, I saw a, a TikTok. It was Stitch with the best advice your therapist ever gave you. Mm. And um, it was the point where I made it to trauma counseling because I realized that I wasn't depressed. I was um, traumatized. Yeah. I was afraid. And my brain was not okay. Right. Um, and I was diagnosed by a few different people. Yeah. All, everybody yeah. said the same thing. You know, there was no, there was no variation among 
opinion. Um, I had complex or complicated post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. And I was not okay. And I did a lot of trauma therapy. And in one of my trauma therapy sessions, Mm -hmm. I, um, he, he looked at me and he said, Faith, because my mom was on the way to my house when she died. Yeah. And um, that was painful. Yeah. Um, and I, I can remember the day of, the visita- of her visitation, the day before her funeral, I, I was 37 weeks pregnant. I wasn't, I didn't have a bunch of funeral clothes Mm. I didn't. I, I wasn't feeling yeah. ready yeah. for a thirty-eight week pregnant person. Right. And I didn't have shoes that I, I didn't. What you know? I ended up at Belk, mm. and I, a small town. And I can remember the two of the older women that worked in the store because my mom frequented. My mom went. They knew small yeah. town, but they knew my mom, and they. You know, and you would hear, I could hear them say, that's the one she was going to see. Mm. It was about that. And, you you know, you could, and I was just like my mom, too. I think, you know, favor her greatly. And I can just remember just people would look at me and say, you know, it's not your fault. And I would think, mm. well, but why does everybody keep telling me that? Uh. It's not like I would walk up to people and say, I think it's my fault. You right. know, it would. And, and there were people that knew that, that were close to me that I would have intimate conversations with, yeah. but for the most part, you know, because it was my, whether I felt like it was my fault was completely different than the thought of what if I had not, mm. what if we hadn't left Wilmington right. and moved and moved here and she wouldn't have been driving here. She would have been driving there. Would it have been different if she would have been driving in another direction? Right. You know, just the things that go through your head with the guilt and the yes. what if. The what ifs. What ifs, you know? Um, and I can remember the therapist looking at me and he said, okay, so let's say it was your fault. How long should you pay? Uh, yeah. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, even someone that, you know, commits a crime in the justice system, we say, okay, you're convicted, you committed this crime. And this, this is, is how your, much time, yeah. This is your sentence, this is how much time. He said, so how much time is it? And wow. I remember being very dumbfounded. And then he said, this is where I made the TikTok about, he said, you are the judge, you are the ju- jury, and you are the jailer. Mm-hmm. And the keys out of this prison are grace and forgiveness. Wow. You get to feel how you feel right now for as long as you need to. As long as you want to feel and need to feel like this and feel like this, it's okay. But when you decide Mm -hmm. to leave the prison, you are the one who is going to let yourself out because you are the judge, Mm -hmm. you are the jailer, and you are the jury. Yeah. And I can remember being so yeah. offended in that moment thinking, do you think I'm doing this on purpose? Right. Do right. you think I want to feel this way? Do you, do you, do you, do And slowly, I, I realized that that wasn't it at all. Yeah. It was when I was ready to love myself, mm-hmm. to feel the joy, to, to let go of the pain, yeah. to make 
the conscious decision to want to feel joy, to do the work that it takes to, to especially when it's, it's trauma or, you know, whatever, right. Get through that, that pain. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, I literally, I've done some intense trauma therapy also, but I've rewired neuroplasticity is a really cool thing. You know, I'm rewiring my brain to be okay. I'm desensitizing myself to traumas and, you know, I am doing an extreme amount of work to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. But it's not okay not to want to be, and it's not okay to believe that you can't be. Because right. those two things are lies. Yeah. Whether or not you're okay right now is irrelevant because there are lots of times where you're not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But you have to know that you won't feel like you do right now forever. Yeah. And it's my Steve Hurt. I say it all the time. I don't know who said it to him, but I heard it from Steve Harvey, so I always give him the credit. Yeah. You have survived 100% of your worst days. It's so true. 100% yeah. of them. So think about that moment. Yeah. And we all have it. For me, it's on the bottom of an, bottom of an emergency room floor. Yeah. Really pregnant, screaming no. Yeah. Worst moment. Where I, I remember how I felt in that moment. Mm. And now I look at me now. My trauma is my superpower. My all of these things that I experienced that were in the moment, yeah, so overwhelmingly painful that I believed that they would overcome me forever. And there was a point where I just thought joy is not for me. I will never feel it again, and I was fine with it. I right. wasn't even mad about it. I was like, so I'm going to live a mediocre life where I feel mad a lot of the time. I'm gonna. I love my kids. I love my husband but I'm never going to be complete I'm not going to feel joy it's not going to be yeah what it was supposed to be because that died Mm -hmm. and but that was a lie right yeah And and it wasn't just a lie for me I'm not some magical person that like won the prize no yeah it was as long as I'm breathing Mm mm-hmm Yeah. Yeah. I think that one that I've never thought of it like that. The idea that I, the idea that I'm punishing myself. I've never thought of it like that. I just knew I felt guilty and I knew I felt all of those what ifs and I didn't want to be told sometimes, and to this day, when people are like, it's not your fault. I I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to be told that. I've never thought of it as punishing myself, but that's exactly what, that's exactly what I'm doing. Now, am I allowed to have those feelings in the moment? I hear what you're saying. Yes. But if, what once you've acknowledged them, though. Right. It becomes punishment. It just like to keep... Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, so... Um, Faith and I had this conversation months ago. Probably right in the midst of quarantine. And um, 
she said something that was so prolific that I wrote it down and it's, it's didn't tell. I've never had a moment like this in my whole life. Yes, you have. I said, yeah, I no, but you know what I'm saying. So she said, okay, and it has to do with the guilt and it has to do with the what ifs. She said, because we, we were similarly to right now, we were getting really into it about all this and how we were feeling in those moments. And she said, if the what ifs don't bring them back, don't let the what ifs kill you. You said that. Do you not remember that? <laughs> it was brilliant. Uh, let me tell you, while we're, uh, Shane and Joe and I FaceTimed. Mm -hmm. And Joe was making a point and he said, Faith, what do you always say? And I said, um, Joe? I say a lot of things. You do. The two of them just, it was the moment where if I could have screenshot it, yeah. it was just full-blown laughter. Yeah. So when you say that to me, do I believe I said it? Yeah. Do so, I remember? It stuck with me. If the what-ifs aren't going to bring them back, don't let the what-ifs kill you. It's so true, though. It's so true. It's, it goes with the... The punishment piece with the jury executed, like it go it, it, the idea that tearing ourselves down and not allowing ourselves to grow, be as traumatic as it is. And say somebody's listening and their loss experience is not. Uh, I'm saying this because I can imagine people might be feeling this. Just because your loss experience is not on the same level of maybe trauma that Faith has experienced or I've experienced, that does not discredit um, loss and grief and how terrible it can be. So for anybody who's listening, I, just, I, I really want you to still hear what we're saying because... Guilt and grief tend to go hand in hand, no matter the level of the situation. Well, no matter what puts you in the prison. Right. We all put ourselves. It's. I mean, it's not a. I, I think I apply it to myself a lot. That one. That's why when when she said, "What's the, you know, the best piece of advice you ever?" It's the thing that sticks in my yeah. head. Yeah. No matter what, you know, when I find myself in a prison, I'm like, okay. How'd I get here? Right. Am I the judge and the jury and the jailer? Right. If that's the case, right. Then what am I? Then what is my? Why did I put myself here and have I served my time? Yeah. And when 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 do I need to leave? Because yeah. otherwise, you know, yeah. it's like when you use people used to fight wars for six six months after the war was over because news that the war was over hadn't traveled there yet. Yeah, we don't have to write anything down today. No, but there's something about embracing. Again, I, I, I can't I can't say it for me because I do not feel healed. I don't feel that I'm in the same place. But you're expressing that it's taken you X amount of time. 
Um, but what I will say is I'm conscious of it. And I'm conscious of the fact that I do want to be happy. And, and that's kind of a segue I wanted to go into is why do I want to be happy? And for me, the motivation and the reason I want to love myself is because I have an angel. I have an angel baby up there looking down on me. And I know in my heart of hearts, he wants me to be happy. And he wants me to love myself. Similarly, I can only imagine that's how you view your mom. I do, but it's funny. I've had to get to a point where I do it because I gotta love myself. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not there. <laughs> and I've had to, you know, my mom was my um, filter for, for a lot of things. You know, I called her when I was just driving somewhere. Right. When I woke up, when I went to bed, when something exciting happened, yeah. when this, when that. There were so many moments that I grieved her in, yeah. you know? And our relationship had such a great capacity. Even, you know, my dad, I didn't talk to my dad. My dad asked my mom what was going on with me. Yeah. My mom would, if my sister and I got into a disagreement, my mom would try to fix it. You yeah. know, I mean, um, she would filter information throughout the family. She was, she was a. She was everything. She was everything. Yeah. But she was also a lot of who I needed to be for myself anyway. Mm. So, um. I, I don't remember, I, I was having a moment the other day, and I could picture my heart, and, you know, they say when you lose someone, um, you, you know, it's not like you're missing a piece of your heart, right? So, yeah. picture a heart, and then take the, the top, the top of one of the little you know, heart pieces, little humps, right? Yeah. And just, and, and take it, and take it off. So, like, let's say that's what was missing when mom was gone. For a yeah. while, it was like a void, right? Yeah. And, and let's say the whole heart is shaded dark red. I feel like that same piece that was once just black, just, like, gone, yeah. empty. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, like, in the void. Right. It's now a shade of of, of pink actually it's funny because it's the same shade I created in my mind like oh. for moments where I was feeling yeah. overwhelmed yeah. so it's funny that I use that color right well done right. therapist let me, uh. let me give a shout out to my therapist well wow played. well That's played great. it worked um but I feel like that shade of pink that has filled that part of my heart that yeah. used to be my mom it's me with everything she gave me wow it's not her I had to feel it you feel it like yeah. with me, yeah. But through taking her with me, yeah. But I can't, you know. My husband says a lot because we've dealt with a with a lot of grief when we have three kids, and he says when when I'm gone, I don't want my kids. I want my kids to miss me, you know. Yeah. But I don't want them to feel like they can't live without me. Yeah. And so, 
you know, I think as sure as Van Wilder, as dumb as that movie is, one of the things <laughs> he says is, don't take, don't take life so seriously. Right. You'll never get out alive. Yeah. You know, you don't, as sure as we were born, we are going yeah. to die. There's no way around it, you know? And so... I got to the point where I was like, I have to live. Absolutely. I have to live. Absolutely. And so that was the moment where I let myself out of the prison and then I fall. And that's not just that there are, sometimes I have a bad week. Right. And that's okay. Right. But every single day that I, that I know that I'm not at my best, mm-hmm. I'm not at my worst. Yeah. And I know that it's a moment that's going to pass and my, 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 my eyes are on the prize. Yeah. I know it's going to be okay. Yeah. I believe it. And the more I believe it and the more I'm going to fight for it and the more it's going to happen. It's worth it. Right. <sighs> okay. Well, this is a good, this is a good way to wrap it up. I think, um, it's very, it's more surprising to me than I realized that we're in such different places. Um, in our grief journey, our self-love journey. Clearly, I'm not where I need to be in my self-love journey. That's why I'm doing this. But what I will say is, for anyone who's listening, this really, it gives two different perspectives because my main advice, and like if you're in a stage like me or if you're close to me, is do it for that person. But then, faith is at a place where she has gotten out of prison and she can do it for her. So I think that's like an incredible testament to our resilience and our strength and the fact that like we are so deserving of this self-love. Because like but How long has it been for you? Uh he'll, he, his third birthday is on February 1st. Okay, see. So I'm yeah. at this was to, what was the year? Uh, three, three, three and a half years ago. So, what's that? Two thousand seven. Two thousand and nine. Yeah. So two thousand seventeen. Yeah. See, I, it. it <laughs> We're in different places. We are. Yeah, and so what I'm, I say that to say, three years ago, I was starting. There was this twinkle in the back of my head that was like, could it be? Yeah. <laughs> Is it possible? You know, there's certain, let me, this, I feel like it's important to say this, because it's one of the most relevant analogies or metaphors or whatever you want to call it for for my, for the healing. Yeah. I feel like grief is this, um, it's like a puncture wound, right? It's like you were, you're stabbed Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's bleeding. Mm -hmm. That is the initial, it's the initial trauma or death or whatever, right? It is bleeding. And for a second, the only thing you can do is put pressure on it. Mm. It's not put a bandage on it. It's not, it, it is put pressure on it. Mm-hmm. Put pressure on it so you can stop the bleeding. That is your objective to stop the bleeding. Yeah. Much like right after a death or something, your objective is to stay alive. Yeah, honestly. Right? Yeah. Get through, you're, you know, like, just, okay, I, 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 what am I going to do? I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. And then after you do that, you can, you know, and, and you stop the bleeding. You're like, whoa, this, this isn't good. You right. have to clean the wound. You have to put, you know, 
you have to bandage it. You have yeah. to keep pressure on it. Eventually, you have to you have to keep cleaning it. You have to keep rebandaging it. Yeah. Put ointment on it, and then eventually, mm-hmm. you know, after time, eventually, yeah, you're left with a pretty righteous scar. Yeah. And you can look at that scar and be like, I remember what happened. And look where I am now. And you can, it's not like you can't see it. It's not, not there. It's right there. You can see the scar. Wow. You know where, where the scar, scar got you. So it doesn't matter where you are. You might be, you, the, the wound, you might still have pressure on that wound. You might be cleaning it off right. again because you fell and hit it and it, and it, and it opened back up and it wasn't quite as bad. So you have to close it. Right. You know, like you don't know. What in life is going to come along wow. that's going to trigger that wound? But eventually, see, what I'm left with, what I have right now is a scar. Yeah. You know? And. That gave me chills. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, no. But you're some you're somewhere on that journey. Right, exactly. You know? And, but what you have to do is keep dressing that yeah. you have to. You know, what yeah. are you surrounding yourself with? Right. What are you feeding into? Yeah. What are you telling yourself right and that's what and and those are the things that we have control over yeah and that's why i'm so so incredibly grateful for friends and family and people that have encouraged me to do this podcast do this podcast and then and then i'm even grateful for myself to that i'm still pushing myself to do it and um I'm a very impatient person and I want to be healed right now. Um, but you're, that's an incredible metaphor. It's incredible to think like, yeah, it's going to be there. And it might not, it, I might not even be scarred over yet. I thought I was for sure. thought I was, I might not be. Um, and that's just might have been that first layer. Right. 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 And every time I see somebody's cute baby, it just scabs off a little bit. <laughs> no, anyway. I get it. Yeah. It's hard. Um, wow. This was an, this was an insane episode. Um, for anybody who is listening and if you don't get that, she's like wise, wise. Um, I hope you now do because man, we had some, we had some nuggets in there, some gold nuggets. So, um, tell people where they can follow you. Um, and then we'll just wrap it up with like, a one-liner about self-love, and that'll be it. Man. So where where can people find you? I am Gotta Have Faith MC yep. on TikTok and Instagram. Awesome. I love myself too much to be on Facebook anymore, oh, so you gosh. will not be able to interact right. with me there. Love that. And um, you can email me at faith at gotta-have-faith-mc.com. That's amazing. If you want to get in direct contact with me. Yeah. Um, and what would I say about, I would say that, you know, my this is kind of my go-to, and I, it's what I would want people to remember, is it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. But it is not okay not to want to be okay and not to believe that you can be. How long you spend in the interim is, is, it is, that is your decision. Right. And I don't say it's your decision because I think you're making that decision. I just say it, it is, it is relative to your experience. You yeah. know, like 
I had someone recently look at me and say, I've never seen it take someone so long to get over a death. And I was like, well, Ooh. I don't, I don't know what to say, you know, <laughs> because this is, this is me yeah. and this is my experience. And yeah. this is, it was, that was my mother and my relationship and how I lost her. And it was all relative to who I was right. at that moment. And, and that, and, and although there are a lot of things I wish maybe I could have prevented because gosh, you know, people get hurt along the ways when you're in pain. Yeah. Um, and the number one thing I tell people when, right after they lose someone is to watch out for the tangible ways where you will manifest your pain because you're going to get mad at somebody and look up and say, this is not a realistic yeah. um, reaction to uh, this situation. Yeah. I feel like I've got some extra emotion here. You know, that emotion, yeah, people yeah. are like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, no, you can deal with grief or it'll deal with you. Yeah. It's going to be one way or the other. You know, you cannot stop that emotion from coming out. And it's going to come out by you actually saying it out loud or, yeah, right. Um, you know, giving it a healthy, tangible way to do it. Or somebody's yeah. going to cut you off and you're going to flip your lid. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. You yeah. Know, whatever. Your kid's gonna spill milk on the table or your husband's gonna forget you're gonna snap at go them. to the grocery yeah. store and you're gonna snap and they're gonna go, Well that felt wrong and you're gonna go, Well, because it really wasn't directed at you. It's yeah. just how, that's why twenty two days after mom died and I had Finley, yeah. I didn't even have an epidural. Yeah. I, and I was completely silent for twenty one hours of childbirth and then ended up in an emergency C section. I was as right. calm as a cucumber. Because that physical pain made so much sense to me. I yeah. can remember thinking, this makes sense. This is this is how I feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. And this, it felt like that was a prison. It was so masochistic, it wasn't even funny. But I was like, yeah, bring on the pain because this I can deal with. Wow. This makes sense. But that, that I can't process that's on the inside, it, it's too much. Yeah. So, you know, we're human. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But me punching a mirror? Might seem within my characteristics to some people. Truthfully, in my heart of hearts, it's not. But uh, things happen. <laughs> things happen. Yeah, no, I... But we heal. You we know? heal, yeah. And that's what I would say. Just, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to not want to be or to believe that you can be. Yeah, I love it. Because you can. I love it. Um... <sighs> Right, so, guys, this is uh, episode four, season two of the Self-Love Diaries. Can't believe I'm a month into season two. That's kind of a cool thing to say out loud. Um, We've had a couple next, oh, no, this is, no, so sorry. This is episode three, y'all. Episode four is also a um, heavier topic. We're diving into... (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, we're diving into faith and uh, God stuff. So um, stay tuned next week for that. Um, I just think my biggest takeaway from this episode is I have to keep pushing and wanting to heal, um, allowing myself grace. You said, what were the two keys? Grace and... Grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness. Um, And 
and the fact that right now I'm doing it for Hudson is okay for me. Um, but the fact that at some point in my journey, I will start doing it for me is so cool and so hopeful. And I love that. So for anybody who's out there um, experiencing guilt, grief, to any capacity, to any severity, um, just remember to love yourself. And uh, Faith, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great night, folks. See you next week.